Matthew chapter 4. Andrea asked me on the way home from Easter camp, what's my favourite story or person in the Bible? And uh, Pastor Jot, where's he sitting? He kind of mentioned that everyone's favourite is Jesus, but I couldn't really think of anyone else, to be honest. And it's, so it's, uh, it's kind of set me on something that I'm starting to just go through and just work through a little bit more. So we're just going to read uh, just a story here that we probably know quite well. But I just want to break it down a little bit. But Matthew chapter 4, let's just, we'll just read through it quickly now so we've got a grasp of what we're doing. Um, we'll start reading in verse 1. Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward and hungered. And when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Then the devil taketh him up to an holy city, and sitteth uh, him on the pinnacle of the temple. And he saith to him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash, thou dash thy foot against the stone." I've got the words and I'm struggling, let alone try to remember them. Uh, verse 7, Then Jesus said unto him, It is written again, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. And again the devil taketh him up into an exceeding high mountain, and showeth him all the kingdoms in the world and the glory of them, and saith unto him, All these things will I give thee, if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Then saith Jesus unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. And the devil leaveth him, and behold, the angels came and ministered unto him. And we know this is uh, after Jesus Christ has been baptized with John the Baptist and seen the Holy Spirit descend like a dove upon him. Um, it's a, an interesting contrast, I guess, quite often when new people come along and they receive the Holy Spirit, they, they uh, gain their salvation that they're often quite tempted by not only family but things of the world and that, that separation that uh, needs to happen there. And so we see even Jesus Christ to a certain extent was uh, tempted of the devil. And praise the Lord, we'll read some scriptures about that. But I really want to just, I guess, break down some of these points and um, what was Jesus being tempted in? Uh, we, we, we understand that, I guess, or we can refer to, particularly in this passage of scripture, that when we have a difficult time, we can kind of go back and go, well, Jesus Christ or even Jesus Christ went through these things and overcame them uh, without sin and we can draw real strength from them. And so we have uh, in verses 1 to 4 there, after uh, we know these things, we fast for a day. I think there's a few around the place that have maybe fasted for a little bit longer and even some for 40 days, crazy people that they are. Um, but... Even after like two or three hours, I usually get pretty hungry, let alone 40 days. And then back then, I, I can only imagine that food probably wasn't quite as plentiful as we have it in this day and age. And so Jesus in the natural would have most definitely have been hungry. And so even just to think, well, just a, a small bit of bread, that would have gone down pretty well. You know, it'd be nice with a little bit of, not Vegemite, as we heard at Easter camp. I didn't really agree with that bit of Nutella on there maybe it'd be quite nice but um, 
in the natural, it would have been very easy, I think, uh, to try and justify, well, no one else is around. I'm by myself. I'll just make this stone into a piece of bread, which Jesus Christ could have most definitely have done, and just popped it down and satisfied himself. Uh, one of the things I thought of is how, how would that have set out for later on down the track? If Jesus Christ had made that principle for himself, you know, right at the start of his ministry here, that when time got difficult and he felt a little bit hungry, that he'll just turn this stone into bread and just eat it. What about when he's on the cross? You know, I've got the scripture here, Matthew 26, 53, don't turn there. But, you know, when Jesus Christ is on the cross, uh, and it's, it's talking about the fact that after his, his beating there, that he could have called 12 legions of angels, you know, to come and, and rescue him and just make a complete mess of things that would have been or a mess of the natural planet at the time. But what principle would have that been if in this very small instance he'd just gone, yeah, we'll just have a little bit of bread. Um, and we, we recognise that in this small temptation here, it's about ourselves. You know, it's about the natural provision that we have. Always struggling, I guess, not only with the, the kettle boiling in the background. <laughs> <coughs> feeling hungry, maybe not, in, not enjoying our job, uh, you know, where is Dr. Darren? 12 years been there, you know, struggling with those natural things, the house that we live in, the clothes that we have, the car, it's all those temporary things, aren't they? We struggle with those things, but here's this, I guess this temptation, which we know is from our adversary, the devil, to come and, well, just ask God to take care of these things and, and make it better in the small things. Uh, and which we can do, we can ask God, I guess, to, to look after our life and take care of our needs, and we know that he does, uh, but it's, I, I guess, keeping those principles in place that what is the most important thing. It's interesting to note here that the, the scripture that Jesus answered with, so just in verse 4, Jesus answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Hold your finger in Matthew chapter 4. I'm going to put one of my doobie flickies here. It's nice. They give me some ribbons in my Bible. At least they're not pink. Nothing. Anyway. Deuteronomy in chapter 8. And so the answer here comes from um, verse 3. But I just want to read, maybe just go through quickly here from verse 1. And all the commandments which I command thee this day shall ye observe to do, that ye may live and multiply and go in and possess the land which the Lord swear unto your fathers. And thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these forty years in the wilderness to humble thee and to prove thee and to know what was in thine heart, whether thou wouldst keepest his commandments or no. And he humbled thee and suffered thee to hunger and fed thee with manna, which thou knewest not, neither did thy fathers know that he might, might make thee know that man doth not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. And he goes on to say how all those natural things didn't fade away and that God provided. I found it quite interesting that Jesus Christ refers back to this scripture, you know, um, to actually answer Satan to say, you know, this is, yes, temptation. I've been, I've been 40 days fasting, but the children of Israel were 40 years in the wilderness and God always provided for them. And their lesson was to survive 
on whatever comes out of the mouth of God. And I'm going to do the same. You know, it's, it's a wonderful correlation there that God provides. All right, let's go back to where we had our... Problem is I've got two ribbons in my Bible. <clears throat> All right, so we start read uh, verse 5 here of Matthew chapter 4. Then the devil taketh him up to into the holy city, Jerusalem, and setteth him on a pinnacle of the temple and saith unto him... I'm trying to remember in my brain to slow down and not speak so fast for my sisters back there. If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down, for it is written. And this is the trick here. So this is the second time where Satan is questioning the authority of Jesus Christ. He's saying, are you the Son of God? He said it in the first instance and he said it in this instance as well. If you're the Son of God... If you are who you say you are, he's testing his authority and he's testing, I guess, what he's saying, then do this and do that. And it's interesting then that Satan uses scriptures to even try and justify his questioning. And I guess if you've been in the Lord for any amount of time and you've witnessed to people and tried to speak to people about God, those that have some um, scriptural background of any kind of variety will kind of use scriptures to try and justify the way that they're feeling exactly what satan did right here and it's that lesson that we should i guess learn from Uh, and these scriptures that satan is quoting is out of uh, psalm which i do want to refer to in a minute but let's just read the rest of it here Uh, and he saith unto them if thou be the son of god cast thyself down For it is written, he shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou shalt dash thy foot against a stone. So Satan's trying to say, you know, you can do these things, because God's promised to protect you. And Jesus said unto him, it is written again, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Don't get carried away, Satan. So let's put our ribbon back in Matthew chapter 4 and go to Psalms and chapter 91. So this is, what, this is what Satan has been saying here. So verse 11 and 12 is what Satan is trying to say. But let's start in verse 9. Psalm 91 verse 9. Because thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the most high thy habitation, there shall no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come nigh uh, thy dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways, and they shall bear thee up in their hands, lest thou dash their foot against the stone. Where am I going? A few more verses here. Thou shalt tread upon the lion and the adder, the young lion and the dragon shalt thou trample under feet. Because he hath set his love upon me, therefore will I deliver him. I will set him on high because he has known my name, etc., etc. It goes on there. Well, verse 16 says, with long life, will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. Now, it completely changes it. If we just pull out an 11 and 12, we can get a little bit carried away. And it, it starts to be, uh, we can feel of it like it's, we get a little bit arrogant. You know, I, I'm so good because I've got this grace upon me. Grace of God, he's going to protect me. But we start to look at it in the full context of the scriptures around what's being said here. And we start to realize that blessing only comes if we trust in God. If we fully give ourselves over to put our trust and our faith in God, 
that's when the protection comes. And so the devil here, Satan, he, he tries to prod and poke and pull out just what seems to be convenient for him, as we, as we well know plenty of people around the place do. Um, but we have to make sure that we are using all the scriptures to our benefit. And when we're walking in the Lord, that it's not just picking out what's convenient for us, but rather let's get the whole story and realize the full blessing of God and the reason why it's upon us. Now, Jesus Christ, his answer back in Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 16. You shall not tempt the Lord your God. We don't need to worry about the rest in this context here, but from the dictionary, because I'm not the, the brightest spark in wherever the sparks come from, or whatever a group or correlation of sparks are. What is that, firework? Not the brightest spark in a firework? Does that make sense? Anyway, uh, tempt or to test. And it's uh, the diction I'm loving the dictionary a little bit because it helps me grasp a little bit more what the Word of God is even trying to say here. It is to entice someone to do something they find attractive, in the natural sense that is, but know to be wrong or unwise. You know, don't be tempted. You know, don't be enticed. It appears really, really good. Uh, you know that it's not going to be the best thing for you. You know it's not the wisest thing for you. But don't, don't be tempted in that way. Don't be, and certainly don't throw it upon God. You know, don't, don't think that ourselves. Because once again, it, all it moves is, if I can do this, you know, I've got power over God almost. I can make God do something to look after me. And that's not the whole thing about it, you know. We know that we love God because he first loved us. We have to make sure that we get it in the right order there. Uh, and once again, be mindful of the time, but let's just read a little bit more, even around the answer of Jesus Christ here, because it certainly helps to clarify it's not just the, the single scripture in the way that Jesus Christ has answered Satan here, but it's also in the whole concept context of everything that he said um, so verse uh, 5 of Deuteronomy chapter 6 and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might this is one of my favorite scriptures um, and these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children praise the Lord and shalt talk of them when thou sittest down in thine house and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up, and thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand, and they shall be as frontlets between thy eyes. And it's, it goes to talk about that loving the Lord God is everything. It isn't just a, a small component of what we do, and it's because of all of these things that we surround our life we surround our actions and we remind ourselves of the love of god that we don't want to forget the wonderful position that we're in we don't want to forget what god has done for us and because we don't want to forget we are then not going to tempt the lord god in whatever environment or way that we see fit and so in the answer of jesus christ here he's kind of saying just to the devil well don't tempt the lord your god but I'm sure you know, Satan, that the context of this is put the Lord God first. You know, don't only tempt him, but put the Lord God first. Um, Pastor Jock read that scripture out today where Jesus Christ was saying, 
I beheld Satan falling, you know? And we kind of get this glimpse of maybe the personality of Satan was that he thought that he was better than anybody else. Still does, and he's going to pay for that one day. Um, so this whole, I guess, this second, uh, what is it? Temptation of Christ is really, once again, it's a, it's a proving, but it's about, if you cast yourself down, it's glory on yourself. You know, you prove yourself by, you know, throwing it out there and making a bit of a, a scene about who you are and what, you, what you're doing. But it's this real testing of the authority of God. You know, if you do this, you bring it upon yourself. Whereas if you allow God to work in your life, it's a completely different situation. I hope we can kind of see that there. Uh, Matthew chapter 4, let's go back to our, our favourite ribbon at the moment. And we'll read the last one here. Praise the Lord, it's not ten temptations. We could be here for a while. We're just going through three. Uh, this story is also in um, the book of Luke, chapter 4, as well. Um, and it's in a slightly different order, um, but it's still exactly the same things that happen here. But it's, um, I was going to read some of those, but that doesn't make much difference at the moment. Matthew chapter 4 and verse 8. And there's the last one here again. The devil taketh him up to an exceeding high mountain and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them. And we can recognize that this probably would have been quite magnificent. Um, the word glory, I've got it written down here somewhere, honor, beauty, but it also means um, praise and worship. And if we glory in something, we take pride or we pleasure in it. So the devil, Satan, has shown Jesus Christ the glory of all these kingdoms. And verse 9, And saith unto him, All these things will I give thee, if thou wilt fall down and worship me. And this is pretty much where it got to. You know, it kind of got to the end game. We started off with, you know, just give me a piece of bread. You can prove yourself by just um, turning this rock into bread. Prove yourself that, you know, you can throw yourself off a building and the angels are going to look after you. You know, don't tempt the Lord your God, Jesus replies. And now we kind of get to the real point, which Satan really wants to win. This is, this is, the, this is the whole ball game. If he managed to get Jesus Christ to worship him over his father, I don't know what would have happened then. It would have never have happened because God then would have been um, false. <laughs> you know, we would have had a, a failure there in the system. And praise the Lord, we don't have to worry about those sort of things. But this is what Satan wants. And because he couldn't go directly to the Son of God, now he's just working on every single other human being across the face of the planet. Where are we up to there? Verse 10. Then saith Jesus unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, which is probably the most polite way you could possibly say that. For it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. So these glory and these riches, um, we know that there are many people out there that that's all they seek. I've got a boss at the moment who's, uh, in the natural, has done very well for himself, but that's all he really focuses on, is money. Uh, it's not even glory, but it's definitely riches. 
You know, all those natural type of things, it's power, it's authority, dealing with politicians and, you know, trying to get various things across the way. Okay, good on you. But at the end of the day, you're still going to die and you're still going to be held accountable for how you've lived your life, you know, and you're not going to end up in a pretty place unless you turn that around and change your focus. Glory and riches is what a lot of people get caught up in. You know, we can think of a few politicians around the place probably not in Australia, but certainly on the global scale, where that's what they're after, the power and authority. They want to be the ones that set things in order, not even in a nice way. Jesus Christ once again gave the answer from Deuteronomy. I don't think we're coming back to here, so it doesn't matter if you put a ribbon there or not. Deuteronomy and chapter 6. Verse 13, thou shalt fear the Lord thy God and serve him and shalt swear by his name. And we also read it in uh, Deuteronomy chapter 10 and verse 20. Just flip over a couple of pages there. Thou shalt fear the Lord thy God, him shalt thou serve and to him shalt thou cleave and swear by his name. You know, praise the Lord Jesus Christ had his priorities straight. Praise the Lord that there was no temptation that really overtook him and that he was faithful. And praise the Lord that we can use that as an example in our own life as well, that through the power of the Holy Spirit, we can have the same strength to overcome. Whatever the temptation might be, whether it's just having a nice crunchy loaf of bread with some fresh butter on there to eat at night, whether it's healing and protection, no matter what comes against us, or whether it's even in the more subtle ways of having, you know, a really big house and a really nice car and, uh, you know, a nice big yacht to go to your island in the middle of the ocean. Whatever it might be, these glory and the riches, the power and authority over people, Jesus Christ overcame these sort of things. And so if we find in any way, shape or form that maybe naturally we start to get um, persuaded by these things that we can look at Jesus Christ and go I've got the same spirit I've got the same spirit inside of me and he overcame and I can overcome as well through the power of Jesus Christ and through the Holy Spirit I just want to read out here um, Deuteronomy chapter 10 and verse 12 and now Israel what doth the Lord thy God require of thee but to fear the Lord thy God, to walk in all his ways and to love him and to serve the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul, to keep the commandments of the Lord and his statutes, which I command thee this day for thy good. Behold, the heaven and the earth of the heavens is the Lord thy God and the earth also with all that therein is. Now this, that scripture there, verse 14 kind of nullifies what Satan was trying to offer. You know, the glory of the world wasn't Satan's to give away because that belongs to God. So Jesus Christ, in his answer, once again, he points to this scripture of, thou shalt fear the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. But Satan, if you read just a little bit before that, you don't actually have any authority to give anything away. It's not yours to give. And so this is the... I guess the, the wonderful thing is that when we look into the Word of God is that not only can we get 
a direct answer and, and that strength, but also we can maybe nullify any problem that we're having by reading a few more scriptures around the place. We can, we can say, well, you know what, that's not an issue in my life because God says so and because I want to place my priority on the things above and not of the things that are below, then victory comes. Um, it goes on to read uh, in Matthew chapter 4 um, about, don't turn there, about the angels ministering to God, which would have been a wonderful conversation to be a part of. Um, but praise the Lord, we have our own ministers as well, don't we? When we talk with each other, one to another, we get uplifted and we get, um, you know, I guess just encouraged by the things that God is doing around the place when we read the Word of God. It's a, it's a, it ministers to us and it ministers to the Holy Spirit inside of us. And of course, when we spend time on our knees in prayer or in our closet, as we heard this afternoon, um, and just praying in the Holy Spirit, we get ministered to. What a wonderful thing. But let's just finish up in Hebrews and chapter 4. It's interesting to note that uh, when Jesus was fasting, the temptation came at the end of the fast. And I know uh, Pastor Jock briefly spoke about divine healing today and um, sometimes we can kind of think that, you know, I'm going through a difficulty, I'm going to have a time of prayer and fasting about it and then I'm going to get my victory and quite often that is the case. But for Jesus Christ, he went through a fast and then temptation came. It's, it's sometimes we have to get through the whole thing as well before we get that true victory. I, I know with myself that um, I was quite sick for some time, had eczema, um, from head to toe just about, didn't have it on my hands, had it just about everywhere else. And um, I can't remember a single moment where I was instantaneously healed, but I certainly know the moment that my mind changed and that's when my victory started to take place. The body took a while to catch up, um, but praise the Lord, I knew um, what Jesus Christ has done for me. And that's when the victory comes, when we know and understand that our victory comes through Jesus Christ and him only, the rest doesn't really matter. You know, the body doesn't matter, the material things don't matter, but victory is going to be there because Jesus Christ has promised. Praise the Lord. Hebrews chapter 5. So just remember, next time we have a prayer and fast, there might be a little bit of a temptation. That's usually the period once the prayer and fast finishes and the time it takes for the food to reach your plate when you get to the restaurants, isn't it? It's that period of temptation there where you're kind of like going, oh, I'm getting hungry. Anyway, no, praise the Lord. Did I say Hebrews 4 or Hebrews 5? 4, it's good. Verse 14. Verse 14. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast the profession, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like uh, as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And all the people said, Amen. Praise the Lord.